So welcome to podcast two. This is Mark Edmonds and and Bill Winter, and we're ready to go for our second podcast. Hope you enjoyed our initial uh, setup and uh, chat. Bit of a trial, but uh, we but thought that we'd do a draft, and then when we played it, we thought, oh no, that'll do. Let's go with that. So today we're going to be uh, a little bit more business focused than just chatting about ourselves. And we thought uh, we'd start with just chatting about what's impacting on business today. And of course, it's about inflation and it's about interest rate rises. And the question is, what are you doing in your business to look at things that are impacting your business that are impacted by um, interest rate rises and inflation? Yeah, that's right, Mark. I've noticed in talking to a few business owners and advising them, not only is it about inflation and, and interest rates, but it's it's about the costs, you know, the, the cost of goods. And I get a bit frightened when I hear about the issues around the gas supply and the electricity supply. And if you've got a business that's 100% reliant on the cost of power, you're going to have to re- redo your budgets or rethink your budgets because... You, how do you set a number if you don't know what it's going to be? And the, the other aspect, Bill, is obviously to look at all your other costs. If one thing's going up, where mm. can you make savings in the other? There's lots of advice about people that you know do get locked into an electricity company and forget to go and check it. There are better deals out there, so it's very worthwhile going and seeing what you can get um, by going to any of the comparison sites and, um, and keying in your... Uh, your NMI number and uh, finding out uh, what's the better deals. And the other thing is obviously talking to your bank. If you've got a loan, go and talk to the bank mm-hmm. and don't be afraid to move banks if you have to to get that better rate. Yeah, the one about costs uh, with your supplies is really important. My example was earlier this week I was talking to a reasonably large business in a country town or just outside a country town and we were talking about this very thing and we we're having a discussion about solar panels and what we could what they could do in the future in the longer term the question i asked them do they check the power bills and uh, no the power bills come in and <laughs> they pay it but my advice and i used to do this in my own business the beginning of every every reading or every or i guess billing period i'd go and take a photo of all our meters and at the end of the billing period, I'd go and take a photo again of the meters and then compare that to what was coming through on the bills. And of course, in a lot of instances, I don't know now that we've got digital readers and digital, um, I guess, power readers and the whether that is applied today. But the reason I did that was I got power bills where that estimated the usage And it will way out. An estimation goes on with water and electricity. They Mm. still do it. If the uh, meter reader can't get nearby or if they electronically can't scan it, then yes, it does happen. The other thing, obviously, too, Bill, is don't be afraid to put your prices up. Uh, I've I've spoken to a number of businesses that sit there thinking, oh, should I put my price up? And my first comment to them is do a check of your competitors, see what you're offering, see what your value is, what can you add as extra value, but don't be afraid to lift your price if you need, if you have to. Well, and that's why it's important to keep checking your invoices and checking your costs, and the absolute classic is the cost of containers. If you're a business importing goods from overseas, a uh, normal size container, say prior to COVID, was $4,500, 
and I have uh, been talking to a, a business in the agricultural area, and that same cost of a container is now $16,000, and they bring in a, two containers every month, and they haven't altered their pricing. Unbelievable. Mm. It's, it's those, sometimes those hidden costs that you don't sort of uh, take note of, and it's worth doing. So let's move on to uh, what we really wanted to talk about today, which is um, how can you stand out from the crowd? You know, affectionately known as competitive advantage, but it is. It's standing out from the crowd. And Bill, you've got yeah. a few ideas around yeah, this. I have, and there's often you'll hear people talk about a sustainable competitive advantage. Uh, it's, you know, if, if you can go, you go into a shopping centre on Monday morning, there's two sports stores, and one sports store has got 25% off. Well, what's going to happen by 11 o'clock? <laughs> the other ones are going to have 30% off. So that that minute competitive advantage lasted about an hour. It's not sustainable. But I want to go back to a book I pulled out of my bookcase earlier this week uh, called The Blue Ocean Strategy. And this was written, quite, I think, in 2006 from memory. And it, it just talks about that we're all playing in a congested ocean. It's full of sharks, right? There's blood in the water and everybody's fighting each other. So how do you get out into the calm water? And the classic example was they used in this example was the Cirque du Soleil because the traditional circus was animals, uh, clowns, trapeze artists and it was all about people and animals and and they charged $20, $25 each to get into it. Along came Cirque du Soleil and reinvented the circus. In fact, they turned it into theatre and you you pay now up to $400 a seat to go to Cirque du Soleil Unfortunately, they haven't worked for the last two years because of COVID. So it's that sort of story. And in addition to that, um, how many coffee shops do you walk past every morning in your local shopping strip? Uh, and I, just in one area I know of uh, in a country town, there's 13 coffee places you can buy coffee within five blocks. And what's interesting of that, Bill, is of those 13, two will be pumping two will be middling, yeah. and the rest will probably be empty. Well, exactly right. And you, you, I often ask what, I ask myself why. The, there are other examples. and uh, For instance, uh, hair salons are an absolute classic. There are hundreds. Of, in fact, you know that in a town, a country town or like Geelong, it's got the highest number of hair salons per head of population in Australia. So no, what no, do you do? No pun intended there with the head. <laughs> That's right. So w- what can, and I think you've had a bit of experience helping mentoring somebody here, Mark. What can a hair salon do? Well, it, it's interesting. I, I know of uh, one hair salon located in Queen's uh, Cliff, and they've gone down the environmental path. So they're making sure that they don't use chemicals. They use organic products. They're heavy into the recycling uh, and giving that point of difference in that the, they don't use chemicals full stop. And that's been really interesting. Their, their business has grown and grown and grown because people do get reactions to the chemicals and the hair dyes, et cetera, that go, go onto their heads. And, and that's been their major point of difference. And I think there was another hairdresser bill that um, they moved across into doing more around wigs and well, hair that's pieces. Right. Hair pieces and uh, nails. In fact, they set up a separate business during COVID because, like everybody else, you couldn't go into a barber shop or a hair salon. And out of that, they've created a whole new business and they're importing and now looking at exporting. Another one that uh, 
I noticed recently is uh, household blinds. Uh, traditionally, they you build a house and you put Venetians up or you put just roller blinds up. And over the years, everybody's got into or there is a proliferation of suppliers because you can import them out of China fairly cheaply and they've gone into shutters and awnings and everything else. So how does a manufacturer in that area stand out from the pack? You know, it's it's not easy, but in I spoke to a couple of builders recently and said, well, how do you make the choices? He said, well, obviously the client makes the choice, but... In his experience, it comes down to the personalities and the sales skills of the of the people selling the product. And and it's it's interesting the um, in, in the cafe space with COVID, a lot went to uh, takeaway home meals. So they kept their their kitchens going by preparing meals and and then letting people take them home. Now that uh, they're slowly opening back up and and getting back up. I know of at least one in uh, in our area, uh, Little Green Corner. We can name him. He's a he's a good operator, and uh, um, Hugh's now decided he's been doing so well out of the ready-made meals and uh, creating a set menu that he can deliver all the crowd. Uh, he's into now into Melbourne, but he's across the Bellarine and uh, and Geelong. He's now shut his cafe, and I think he's going to lease it out. Uh, because he can do all the uh, the meals he likes and deliver them everywhere with a much smaller team and not the overheads of running a cafe. So he's he's had to rethink how does he compete in a tight market because from where he sits, um, there is at least four cafes within 100 metres of his front door. So he's changed his, his position. He's looked for the blue ocean. He's looked for the safe spot. Well, yeah, that's an interesting uh, story, and I know who you're talking about. And for instance, in Melbourne and city, or in the capital cities, they've now got what they call people are opening dark kitchens. In other words, they're not a normal restaurant. They go and set up in a warehouse somewhere, or people will build a, ki- a kitchen facility in a warehouse, and they'll let it out to various people that come in and want to produce their product, and then they will set up the home delivery. Because we go back to, say, Jenny Craig and Weight Watchers. They were the ones who, I guess, pioneered home-delivered food, uh, but you look around now and you've got HelloFresh, Marley Spoon, You Foods, My Muscle Shop, and many, many others. And if you Google wherever you live, if you Google the local area and just see what sort of home-delivered meal, prepared meals, um, you'll be surprised how many there are. So that's now becoming a crowded market. So how do you stand out in that? You know, because suddenly you had it... Weight Watchers and Jenny Craig had done their own, and now they're faced with with competitors. So that's an interesting challenge. So our message to our business listeners is: mm. Where's your blue ocean? Have a look at where you need to be. What do you need to do to stand out from the crowd? What is your competitive advantage? Everybody talks about providing the best customer service. Well, what's the difference that you can add to make it the best customer service? It's not about being the cheapest in the market. It's about offering the best value in the market. What else can you do? Bill, what other thoughts? Well, I guess well, I'll, I'll give you one final example, and it's a, a couple uh, down in a coastal town, and it's Braille Sign Supplies. Now, the owners or the owner the of this was originally just a, a sign writer, just a sign writer. He was a traditional sign writer, 
And once again, he was swimming in the red ocean because there were sign writers everywhere and, of course, sign writing became digital and you no longer needed those skills that they they had in the past with creative, uh, I guess, input because uh, the computer does it for you. But what Travis down there has done is that he now is the major supplier of Braille signs in Australia and imports all over the place. And you'll find his... He's he's found a way that he can put braille signs using any material. He can place them anywhere. He can put them on any surface. And if you go through Parliament House in Canberra, they're all his signs, all the braille signs. On most lifts that you go into large buildings, they'll be his signs. And he's the latest I read about him was that he's even got QR codes now where people can feel them. Um, so there is somebody that took a traditional business, found a niche, and sure others will try and copy him. But he's got he's got I guess the march on it. He's he's way out in front, and he's always thinking of of other things to do. And that just reinforces the lesson you just mentioned, Mark. And that is, you've got to think all the time: is what can I do tomorrow that I haven't done today that's going to put me ahead of my competitors. Well, Bill, there's lots of uh, lots of learnings out there. And, and the trick is, is getting hold of your market, knowing your customer, knowing what you're trying to do, having a plan. We, we'll talk about business plans at a future yep. episode. But having that plan and looking for the blue ocean, looking for the space that you can stand out from the crowd. That's right, Mark. Just don't be another one of everybody else. Okay, Bill, and that'll be our podcast for this uh, week. We'll be lining up some guests over our subsequent podcasts, so stay with us, and uh, we hope you enjoy our chats.